had to go to uh, my friend's house because I'm cat sitting. Oh, yes, I did get your cat snap. Yeah. Um, her name was Goose. Goose! <laughs> and she has the tiniest meows Aww. that aren't even meows. They're just like little squeaks. Um, but they're like not even squeaks. They're just like me. Wait, I can't, oh, hold on. <clears throat> no, I'm not going to try to do it. They're like... But it's just like... Not even, like, soft. Like a, a soft, gentle one. Like, me. Me. Aww. Me. Aww. But, like, two octaves higher. A soft and good cat. Yeah. Those are the big Welcome fluffy the... ones that have the tiny voices, too. Yes. Welcome <laughs> to the Hamstake Cat Cast. <laughs> Where we have cats and just tell you about them incessantly. Let me tell you about my cat. Let me tell you, let me tell you about my cat. My cat, Max, got big over a weekend. Like, I think he he got big. I mean, he was getting big the whole time. Big like, big or big like fat? No, he just got, not fat, he just like grew because he's still kind of a kitten. Whoa. Yeah. I like dropped him off at my friend's place to watch him over the weekend because I had to go watch my friend get married. He got love married. And then, um, it was my first friend wedding ever. It was very exciting. (laughs) Um, weddings are fun, you guys. Um, then I came back and my cat was bigger than I remembered him being. Um, so I think what might have happened is <laughs> they shrank your cat by accident. And then when they were re-enlarging the cat, they overshot. Uh-huh. And they're like, that's good enough. She'll never notice. Uh, that would explain why everyone was sort of, like, looking at me suspiciously, like, as I came in. To yeah, and they're, they're like, here's Max, normal size, as always. I bet you that's why they were looking at me like I was a crazy person when I say when I came in and said, wow, my cat got bigger. <laughs> no, he's giant. He's giant. He's always had big old marshmallow feet, and now, like, the rest of him is the, the same size to go with the marshmallow feet. Aw, uh, he grew into them. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. The boy. Himself in the flesh. Let's hear it for, let's hear it for him. Let's hear it for him, indeed. So, Speaking of the boy, uh, I don't know, do we start with the boy, actually? We don't. No, we actually, start with start the start girls. <laughs> Alright, so, well, welcome to the Hamstake Podcast, where we read Homestuck and tell you about it. Um, I'm Lydia, and I've read Homestuck before, and we did this backwards. And my name's... Alex and I super haven't. Yay! Hey, it works either way. Sure. All right. So, bunch of stuff, bunch of ground to cover, bunch of violence. Um. <laughs> yeah, God. Um, just what else as is a new? quick, since it's been a little while, although I guess it's been a week since you heard the last podcast. Sorry about that, guys. By the way, um, we recorded the last podcast like a month uh, before it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wasn't able to get it edited until last week. Uh, but now we should be on track till the end of 2016 to have you weekly content fed whole grain. (laughs) We're here with a spoon. Pretend it's an airplane. Open up the hangar. Here comes some whole grain content. And also it's ham. Also it's ham. Ham and whole grain blend. Whole grain ham. Don't feed um, your cat's grains. So we left off with Rose describing her suicide plan to, her suicide mission, rather. Right. To Dave. <laughs> um, and specified that it was her dream self that was uh, going on this m- mission. Correct. Um, so she is going to send her dream self out to go and, what, blow up the green sun? Yep. Okay. So, oh man, it's been a long time since we've been doing these, so if I accidentally spoil you, uh, sorry. I don't remember as well anymore, like, what you do and don't know. Right. Um, so yes, so she's gonna go blow up the green sun because it's the power source for Beckerel and also for Jack now, and so by taking out Jack... Um, she should be able to, um, I don't know, like, they'll save themselves, and 
she knows about all this thanks to an informant who um, needs to... What is it? What he did her needs, informant tell her again? Uh, that he needs to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he... So, but it is uh, Dak Scratch. Mm-hmm. Dak, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what? I said Dak Scratch. Oh, that sounds like what you get when you don't shower enough. <laughs> it is Doc Scratch, who is also powered by the Green Sun. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he dies, then Lord English... Wait, do I know that? Then the, the demon uh, enters the universe. I, I, I can't remember anymore if we know that the demon is Lord English. I think we do. Hang on a second. We're going to take a detour. We're going we're gonna to check our past... Uh... No. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Quickest way, quickest way. Hamsteakpodcast.libsyn.com, and I'm going to control F for Lord English. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so we know Lord English as the leader of the felt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was heavily implied that he is the demon. Um, Correct. But I, I can't remember if it was explicitly stated. All right, I'm searching now. Okay, so he's been name-dropped in five different episode notes, so I think it's safe to say that we know now that he is, um, he's... He's, he's the, the demon it's who's him. been here the whole time. <laughs> he's the demon who's been here the whole time. It's him. It he. Um, so yeah, so that is probably uh, not, it's not great that Rose wants to do this because it's going to cause a whole nother can of worms to topple over. Right, but Rose doesn't know that, like, it would be catastrophic that that would happen. She thinks mm-hmm. that she's doing this guy a favor. Right. Like, a harmless favor as opposed to a very highly dangerous favor, um, which Kanaya has picked up on and is, uh, in, in typical Kanaya fashion, letting her know that this is a catastrophically dangerous plan. Yeah, so she um, calls out Rose and says, I think you're being really dangerous. Oh. And she says, your hubris is astonishing, nearly twice the mass of a universe, I think. <laughs> which is really, which totally fixes my problem with Hussey coming up with a bullshit number of stuff for astrophysics. Bullshit numbers of stuff? For astrophysics. Um... Because Rose says, like, if that was true, then it would, like, it would... It's amazing that it hasn't, like, collapsed into a singularity. Um, which is what I was saying last time. What was it? Oh, the, um, the star. That, that, you know, the green sun is... It's a magic star! Right, exactly. <laughs> but it's just, like, it's bullshit to bring, like, real-world terms into that. Mm-hmm. And just pretend, like... A thing that is a star, which is hydrogen. Anyway, it's fine <laughs> now because Hussey jokes about it. Yeah, so it's okay. Yeah. Um, so Kanaya says that uh, she is she feels the need to just stop Rose by force because Rose will not be talked out of it, and so she is training a wizard. It's Aridin. Yeah, um, remember this? Uh, Aridin wanted to learn about magic, which he didn't believe in. Right. And, um, and so to shut him up, Kanaya has, like, crafted him a wand, I guess. Mm-hmm. We see him holding it, and it, like, gives us some light, but we don't really know what it is yet. It just says it's white magic, so whatever right. that is. Well, uh, Rose has been using some pretty dark magic. Right. Spelled M-A-G-Y-Y-Y-K. Yeah. Um, and also, when Kanaya announces that she has to oppose Rose, and she's been training a wizard, uh, Rose responds Rose goes with a single to a... <laughs> exclamation point. Yeah. And Kanaya's like, yeah, yes, your shout pole has been noticed. Uh, which I thought was really cute. Calling it an exclamation mark a shout pole. I thought that was cute, too. These are good aliens. Yeah. So, yeah, Kanaya was joking about the whole, like, training a wizard to defeat her. She was just trying to get Aridin to shut up. Um, 
And that's how that kind of conversation ends. Um, and meanwhile, Tavros is having a really uncomfortable conversation with Jade. Yeah. So I was, at first I was like, oh, Tavros, it's been a while. Nice to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he like starts kind of roundabout talking his like uncertain way. Uh, and then he says that he wants, he talks to Jade and says he'd like to commune with Beck uh, again. Mm-hmm. And Jade's like, oh, what was the first time you did that? And he describes how recently, for his, from his perspective, but when Jade was a baby, um, he saw in the viewport that she was playing with these flintlock pistols. Uh, and he's like, maybe uh, a wriggler shouldn't be playing with those. <laughs> and so he kind of commandeered back. Uh, and just as Jade was about to shoot herself, uh, he redirected the bullet. And he also noticed that at that very moment, there happened to be a felon on the property uh, who was trying to mess with this cute little family of a uh, Lucis and Wriggler. Uh, and this felon was taken care of by uh, Tavros. Uh, and it was Grandpa being shot by the bullet with Beck and Jade. Yep. So that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and Jade's like, oh, that that's really, that sucks. Yes, it does. Um, oh, man. So, yeah, Jade has to explain this notion of, you know, her grandpa and having a human guardian. And Tavros apologizes, but um, sort of takes this opportunity to, um, like, sort of... Announce that he's confident and, like... This won't affect his uh, self-esteem. Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> sorry about my cultural misunderstanding. Yeah. Nice. So, um... So, you, you point out that uh, this is when Tavros uh, pulls a Vriska? Yeah. Um, he basically... He says he's not sorry because uh, he, he thinks it's a... He says it's a good thing to... Uh, make yourself the cause of an event already fated to happen. Uh, he says that's the way to feel good about yourself. I um, see. Like he says that outright. Um, and Jade's like, "What are you? What are you? That's really messed up." No. <laughs> uh, and he also says, "Well, he, he mentions that he killed his Lucis by running over it in his wheelchair." Yeah. Um. And, which I, did we see that? No. In the comic? I think no, we. No, I don't think so. No? Okay. Did we? Maybe we did. I don't know. Either way. It was a while ago. Yeah. Uh, and Jade says, oh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, well, I'm sorry about your Lucis dying. I'm not sorry about you being paralyzed. Uh, and he's like, oh, it's okay. I'm not paralyzed anymore. I have robot legs now. And I'm better. And being physically handicapped is most certainly the key to having a high self-esteem. That last bit is a verbatim quote. And Jade says, um, that? I don't know if I agreed with that. Yeah, so there's basically a lot of Tavros uh, verbalizing things that he has, inter- he has internalized mm-hmm. in the past little while. Mostly from being constantly harassed by Briska. Yeah. Um, so... It's really uncomfortable. It's really and sad that he's unper- that he's internalized all of this. Like, completely, 100%, he owns this. Yeah. Uh, and then it gets worse. Because in his uh, moments of high self-esteem, mm-hmm. and his constant reminding himself that he has high self-esteem, uh, he tells Jade that he has red feelings for her. Um, and she says, oh, I'm sorry, I don't feel the same way. And he says, but I'm confident. Yeah. It's like, it's just shy. Well. It's, I it's, mean, it's it's basically everything that, like, a teenage boy thinks, like, will make a girl like him if he acts confident and, like, does something heroic and has nothing to do with the fact that she just doesn't like him. Uh, it is such a he, shame that we tell boys that. <laughs> yeah, it's just, like, he's just, like, he's so confused. He doesn't, 
like his perception of reality is just warped. Mm-hmm. And it's really, uh, I don't know, this was hard to read because like it, it's, I mean, he is, you're right. He's verbalizing a lot of things that a lot of teenage boys think. And I also feel like, so not so much with the angle of trying to win a girl over or anything, but just in general, when you're trying to like, when you know that like you've got personal issues and you're trying to work on them, but you literally like, you have no self-esteem, like it's really hard to figure out you like, you don't have a good internal compass. You can't really tell whether what you're doing is working or not. Cause you know that like you perceive everything as like unsuccessful and bad. And so like, you can't tell what's working and what's not. And you're all you're, like imagining everything. And I don't know, like you, you feel for him, but at the same time, like he's being really hurtful to Jade yeah. in a bunch of different ways. And, and he shouldn't be, it's hard to watch. And the, yeah, that's absolutely the thing. It's like his, the fact that he's internalized all this toxic stuff does not, uh, excuse the fact that he is perpetuating it. Yeah. So and it just it's yeah it just sucks. It's just sad to to see. Yeah. So Jade, yeah, I, lets him know that uh, you know. Okay. I mean, it's cool that you like me. I don't really feel that way about you. I don't really even know you. And also, can you please tone down your self respect a little bit? Yeah. Which she which she's like she tries to say very delicately and like be super clear about. Uh huh. Um. But. He doesn't quite get it. Nope. So now it gets much worse because um, Friska was reading the whole thing because Jade's laptop screen is a holographic projection. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so she yeah. takes the opportunity to just basically tear him apart. The The name of the page is Thief. Tear into page. So Friska's the thief. Tavros is a page. Those are their roles. Yeah, and Tavros tries his best to just brush it off and, like, tell her, listen, I don't care, shut up, mm-hmm. stop talking to me. Um, and it does not quite work. Yeah, because Ruska is an impossible person, and just telling her, like, you know, I don't care, shut up, like, isn't going to help. Like, you actually would have to just cut her out of your life. Um, and yeah. he's not willing to just shut her down that way, so. Um, so... Riska gives us a couple important pieces of information. Uh, if you've read the comic before, you know what she's alluding to when she says, um, you couldn't even do the one little thing I asked you to, the one thing that would have made you man up once, or f- once and for all, so instead you flew away and cried and decided to sleep away your sorrow for the rest of the adventure. Because uh, apparently Tyros was pretty depressed about something he failed to do during the course of the story. Um, and also, he uh, she uh, alludes to how she learned how to manipulate humans, which is by putting Jade to sleep lots of times all throughout her life. So that's why Jade has a sleep disorder is because Risk is practicing. God. Yeah, that that ties up that story arc. Yeah. You know, pretty little bow. Yeah. <laughs> um... She also, oh, she also tells the Tav- Tavros that his plan to uh, manipulate Beck into fighting Jack is a great idea, and he totally should defy Jade's wishes and just manipulate Beck and do it. But uh, he Except, does his best to stand up for himself. But then she also says that it wouldn't even work, because um, Beck wouldn't fight Jack because... The agents are the ones who created Beck. Uh-huh. And then we see this sequence of uh, the agents, uh, Clubs Deuce and Diamond Stroog, back when they were uh, taking the meow code from mm-hmm. Rose and making Beck. Uh, it turned out that Riska was making them do that in the human session. So she was manipulating... So she can't quite... Manipulate humans, uh, but she can manipulate agents in the other session just fine. Right, and those have a pretty direct line to the humans. They can encourage them to do a lot of things. So, and not to mention doing things like engineering Beck. So, yeah. Well, um, and and so so Tabro says, like, why would you do that? Why would you cause something bad to happen? Like, if you created Beck, and Beck, like, if you created Jack. Jack Noir, basically, and he wants to kill us. That makes you a bad guy. 
Uh, and she's like, oh, don't you get it? Like, I was doing this because I'm the best guy. Like, I, I'm put, making myself the, the force behind everything. I'm weaving myself into the web of the story. Uh, and he's like, that's fucked up. Like, what are you, that's messed up. What are you, how did you, why are you doing that? Not realizing that that was exactly what he was doing. Right. And she, like, tells him, like, no, you learned that from me. Ooh. And he, like, doesn't get it at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's this whole notion of um, the most heroic, like, the foe that it's most heroic to take down is a foe that you created. And so she goes in and, like, post hoc makes herself the architect of her own enemies. Like, evil. It isn't just evil, it's completely, I don't even know. I don't think I've ever seen something like this before, because it, it's kind of, it requires the the exact story conditions of Homestuck, mm-hmm. with all the, like, circuitous causality. Um... um. Well, so I think there's a sort of an analog to it if it was the sort of thing where it's like, you know, where the supervillain deliberately oh, no, trains yeah. someone they know that will turn against them, something like that. Oh, no, yeah, like, that's what that's what she's alluding to. Um, but, like, in this case, it's literal. Right. And, like, metaphysical. Right, it's not just that she's betting that something will happen. It's like she literally, like, everyone already knows and... It's already played out that way, and she's just in- instrumenting herself in there. Right. That's creepy. It is. And it, it's kind of a motif here. Yeah. Because Tavros is unconsciously doing it, too. Um, so, while she's talking about these agents, and uh, we see the... Um, I lost my train of thought there. Um, we see Diamond Strug approaching Dave with a spear, uh, with the implication that Vriska is controlling him. Mm-hmm. And which, do you know which point of Dave this is? Let me go back and look at that page, because these are actually the pages that I accidentally read last week, or, you know, a month ago, when we were reading for the previous episode. Oh, I see. So I have notes on them, but I don't remember them super well. Um, huh. I don't remember where that was. Maybe we haven't seen that yet. But it's not, I don't think it's of huge consequence. Okay. I think Dave ends up okay. So. But yeah, Tavros calls Risk of the bad guy, and, and yeah, she refuses to accept it. And so he decides to march off and take care of her. Yeah, with his trusty lance in hand. Yeah. Uh, and she she says, oh, yeah, that's, like, super, that's, like, impressive of you. I'll totally, like, let you have a fair shot at me. Like, no tricks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he uh, falls down some stairs. Right, which, if you can remember, you probably don't. Um, Kanaya and Equius, who sort of arranged his whole leg, his, his end leggening, um... We're like, dude, don't go down any stairs. Like, you, you're not ready to, to do those yet. You need to get better at using your legs first. And so he immediately marches down these stairs and, and falls down them with the fa- with the sound effect happen. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I've developed a stutter this semester, I think. Oh, gosh. <laughs> not like a, not, not a stutter, but like... I... No, I'm in the same... I think I honestly have two. Yeah? <laughs> We're great podcasters. Yeah, thanks for tuning in to the, the Stammer cast, where we can't articulate St- words. Stammer steak. Stammer steak. Stam steak. Um, so Vriska's scoping out Jade's attic. Yeah. Um, and we see, because there's one of those windows, mm-hmm. those, like, what are they called? The fenestration? Fenaport or whatever? Fenestrated walls or fenestrated panels. Yeah. It's the, like, the window. Yeah. And we see Hussey through it. And Hussey's got the symbol on his forehead saying that Vriska's controlling him. Which this... is, which has a super, 
uncomfortable metatextual implication. Yeah. Um, but it's completely it's completely superfluous because it's just like Hussy riding a wish dragon. That's what it's and, called. And acting out the ending of the never-ending story. Does the wish dragon really puke a bunch of green slime onto the bullies? I don't know. Okay. I, I just I just know that it's called the wish dragon. Okay. No, you know what? It's called the luck dragon, and everyone who knows the movie uh, was screaming at me for the past 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so that happens, and it's completely pointless. It's probably because Hussey, like, hadn't gotten around to writing the next couple pages, or, like, was in the middle of writing them, and so he, like, he'll do these sometimes, he'll, like, make little, um, little filler pages. I mean, and they're they're not completely irrelevant, because it's things like uh, establishing that there is a fenestrated panel in Jade's, or reminding us that there's a fenestrated panel in Jade's attic. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was completely pointless. But kind of funny. Yeah, it was silly. Um, <laughs> your note is, it's the dog dragon. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's just, it's funny. I only, I watched The NeverEnding Story when I was, like, young. Like, quite young. Oh, me young. too. Me too. I just, I have osmosed that it's called the luck dragon. Oh, okay. Um, so I've never, I've never really talked to anyone about it, so it still exists in my memory in this, like, extremely primordial... Nice, like, I love that. Yeah. I feel like I dreamed it, so... Yeah. Oh man, I love those. Yeah. God, imagine having that with Homestuck. Imagine reading Homestuck when you were 11. <gasps> oh my gosh. I feel so bad for that child, honestly. Because <laughs> there's so much happening here. Like, there'd be so much to parse. Like, it'd be some weird input to have to your, you know, developing thoughts about morality. God. Right? And, mort- and mortality. And mortality. Jeez. Anyway. Um, so, anyway, back in John, the actual story. Yeah, John has reached the end of his Escheladder. He's the air transparent. Yeah. I, I mistyped it. I typed what it's like alluding to and I typed the air apparent, but... Right. Nope. The air transparent. Get it? Because air is transparent. Get it? Yeah. Huh. Um, and he did the windy thing. And put the fire out. And put the fire out. And now we get a game. Right. Uh, it's the same style as the last game where we were the trolls in the lab. Right. So, um, important to note is that while he, he put the fire out, but then the clouds came right back and trapped the fireflies again. And, um, so there's like a spell that's keeping them there and he has not succeeded in breaking it, which many of the little salamander people in the game comment on. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's pretty cute, because it's just him walking around talking to the salamanders, um, most of whom are saying, like, oh, the the air might be here, like, the air must have saved us. He Is he here? Do you see him anywhere? <laughs> and John's just, like, humoring them, because they're so cute. Yeah. He also gives um, a bunch of them money because he has like a literally nine million boon dollars, and so he's like handing them out yeah. to people who need things. Yeah, um, there's also like Pixis things with a bunch of random objects in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and did you go into the the orchard? I think it was. I did not. I was trying to get through it as quickly as I could. Oh, I opposite. Um, there's so there's an orchard uh, where you go into like the closer camera mode uh which was in the first game where you were like banging on some imps uh-huh and in this one there's one imp but it's fully prototyped um and it is very difficult to kill yeah uh it keeps teleporting around uh and your very strong hammer does very little to it and it can kill you with like four swipes of its claws yeah but when you get it, when you beat it, you get some uranium. Oh, I didn't realize you beat it. Yeah. Good for <laughs> it, you. It just took some hammering. Wow. Didn't really feel all that rewarding. Um, and then John, well, there's also a little shop where you see uh, these, what are they, fray motifs? Mm-hmm. And these are the... Um, songs which are alluded to 
where the heir has to play a song no one else can to awaken the denizen, is that right? Or to beat the denizen? Um, it's not really the same thing. It's sort of allegorical. Like, the 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 playing a song thing is a little more literal, and it's not the same as acquiring one of these fray motifs. These you just buy. That one you would have to, like, figure out by consuming lore and stuff. Oh. I love to consume lore. Yeah. Um, yeah, but these fray motifs are very expensive. The cheapest one is 10 million boon dollars. Which... Yeah. Which John is just shy of. Right, we've been rolling around being like, I'm Mr. Moneybags, and I will give you all of my money because I have way more than I would ever need. And then you go to this fray motif place and you you like just can't afford mm-hmm. anything. Which is pretty funny. Yeah. And then, um, uh, then, so, okay, so important to note is that as soon as John gets into this game, he picks up his glasses again and Vriska is there to congratulate him. Yeah, and she says, um, now that you have reached the end of your Esha ladder, the only way to continue uh, leveling up is to level up while you're asleep. Uh, and to do that, you have to find your quest bed, which is like a special bed that you have to get into mm-hmm. for your quest. That wasn't a helpful comment. Um, <laughs> it was helpful for some people. Sometimes you got to hear it twice. <laughs> um, so... She's like, I'm not going to tell you where this quest bed is. You have to go figure it out because you're the hero now. And uh, fortunately, one of the salamanders literally just says, this is where the glowing symbol is that floats over the big flat slab looking bed thing, basically. He's pretty much just like, here's your quest bed. Yeah. And you can also, if you wanted to get really mad, just skip the flash and... On the next page, she's at the quest bed. That too. Um, but it's this cool, like, it's on top of this huge spire of rock. Mm-hmm. And it's like this stone slab uh, with the air of wind symbol, which is like kind of a swooshy equal mark. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like four posters, except without a canopy, it just has these like orbs on top of the spines. Actually, isn't it just like, Jade's bed? Yeah. It's like a really yes. tall version of Jade's bed. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's made of stone, so he lies down on it and he can't get asleep. Nope. So, so Briska <laughs> offers to put him to sleep this time. Uh, and he says, you're just like, you're going to ask me this time? Are you going to like get informed consent? Yeah. He doesn't say that, but you know. Um and she's like, yeah, you're the hero now. Like, you get to make your own choices. Great. Ugh. So I just want to talk about the imagery of the quest bed for a second, because it's, like, one of the most iconic, like, homestuck images. Besides, like, the symbols themselves. Like, it's a really iconic image of John's um, quest bed up on this rock spire over the land of wind and shade, which is, like, just completely beautiful. We don't really, we haven't really talked about imagery on here in a while, but we'll have a couple of things to say about it this week. And, um, I don't know. The Land of Wind and Shade is really beautiful, and the spire is really beautiful with this stone bed on top, and it almost feels a little bit C.S. Lewis. I totally see that, yeah. You know, like, mixed with something very sort of uniquely homestuck, like, in the the flat colors and the the sense of enormous, impossible scale. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I really like this image. I actually have a poster of it. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, wow. Yes. Yeah, um, it's really striking. Yeah. Um, so John goes to sleep, and Jack is there. Yep, Jack is, uh, looming over him. With um, his sword. Yeah, so, my first reaction... So, wait, what are Jack, you reacting to? Because Jack stabs him through the chest is the important thing. So the page before that is just Jack kind of standing beside him. Yeah. Uh, and he is fully prototyped with his, like, triangle glasses and pointy ears and cheek fur. And he's got an, like, a, his his hand for some reason is what made me lose it. Like, he has, like, a narrow arm 
that extends out into this huge, like, like cartoon hand holding the sword. It's foreshadowing! Or not foreshadowing, it's foreshortening. I didn't even see that. It just looked like... It didn't look like he was holding it over John. It looked like he was just, like, striking a cool pose. He just looked super dorky in that (laughs) image. He really, it's the um, anime shades that do it. It's totally that, yeah. He just, he's, he's so much now. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't even look like Jack at all. Like, that's the thing to me. Yeah, like I think said. this is the point in the comic at which most people start calling him Beck Noir. Yeah. But that's confusing for me, because I confuse him with Beck, so I still call him Jack. Well, because he looks more like Beck than Jack, because it's his head. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, I see. I don't know. I don't know what I'll do. I'm fine with just continuing to call him Jack if you are. And then we'll just I have mean, to I'll... distinguish him from the Jack in the Trolls universe. Right. Um, but yeah, he uh, stabs Jack, or he stabs John through the chest. Yep. Um, what was your emotional and... reaction when that happened? Like, tell me uh, what you were feeling and thinking. Um, I'm surprised. Like, I was expecting, I don't know, like, I was expecting Bro to, like, fly in and kick him in the face. Ah. Like, literally, like, last time we saw Jack with, like, the fight on the record, right. I think it was. Yeah. Um, but no, like, there's no one to stop him. Now he just stabs John in the chest, and we zo- it zooms out on John bleeding out on this stone slab. Yeah. Um. But I like. I obviously know that John continues to be an entity in the game, in the comic. Right. So death is kind of like desensitized to an extreme extent. Yeah. How did you know? That John would continue to be an entity. I don't. I don't think it's. I think it, that's like natural that you would. I just want to. I'm like curious as to what what it was that gave you that sense. I mean, like I, I have like contextless spoilers, right? Of like things like John. I know that John continues to exist. I see. And actually, in this flash that we see now, where. Uh, Dream John and Dead John basically fuse in some way. Mm-hmm. Like, Dream John gets a power-up from Dead John, uh, and he gets a new outfit, which is blue with this long, like, scarf. Mm-hmm. And I've seen, like, that outfit before. So I know that John has a new outfit. Oh, I see. That I hadn't seen yet. I, yeah. <laughs> like, I've seen them in outfits that I haven't seen in the comic yet, so they must stay alive a while longer. Oh, man. <laughs> see, that's, so that's one of the few moments where I really feel like you've missed out on something by having seen this comic, like, while having, you know, like, sort of peripherally experienced, like, little bits and pieces of discourse about it. Because when mm-hmm. I read this, like, I had no context for it at all. I had never seen any other media. I was... I was reading it in a vacuum, and when I got to this part, mm-hmm. I was like, oh no, like, John's dead, and, like, that's the kind of thing that, like, I felt like Hussey would do, so I was just like, he's dead, like. Wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is a totally different experience, kind of coming at it from a clinical angle, I guess, or a more clinical angle. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm dissecting it slowly. Instead of, like... Just mainlining it. Voraciously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I can't, like, take it at face value, ever. Aww. I mean, I don't think it is something that really wants to be taken at face value. I think it wants to be thought about a lot of the time. That's Um, true. But definitely in moments of just, like, pure emotional reaction, that is... It's too bad that I can't really have that yeah i think i don't know i mean like i think you still get to have like some you get to like engage with with a lot of it like in the scene that we're gonna see later especially with tavros and briscoe mm-hmm. right yeah yeah like that. so that's 
Yeah, exactly. But I do, yeah, so I guess this scene kind of loses some of its impact, but, like, I don't know, for me when I was watching it, so we should actually describe the Flash. Not a ton actually happens. We see it, we start out by seeing it through uh, the Wayward Vagabond's eyes. He's watching John be stabbed through his terminal, and he's horrified. Mm -hmm. And then all of these fireflies gather on top of John's body as he's, like, bleeding out on top of this spire. And then, um... And then we see his dream self's body swap in, right? The, the four spires at the, like the four orbs on the top of his four poster bed spires, they start glowing and his dream self swaps in. And then, you know, your dream self becomes bloody when your real self becomes bloody. So it's starting to become bloody too. And then um, we see the blood like disappear off of, all, we're, we're zoomed in really far and we see the blood disappear off of John's arm. And then mm -hmm. we look at the other three kids who are all on their respective planets, like looking up at the sky and like shielding their eyes because Skya is glowing so brightly. And then it, it shows the windy symbol. Um, and then we go back and you see John floating in the sky of Skya in his windy jammies, um, <laughs> which are his God tier gear. And, uh, and then, I don't know, so it's it's really beautiful, like, the imagery of, of the spire, like, glowing with all of this light as all of this happens. And then you you go back to, um, you back you go back to WV, who you realize hasn't seen any of this, because it all happened on Skya. And... Oh, yeah. Yeah, so all he's seen is John's dead body on yeah. this spire, and Jack killing him, and he just he frowns with anger and he turns off his viewport. See, what I got from that was that Jack, only Jack saw, like Jack saw only what happened there. He didn't see this happening. Oh, well, I guess Jack didn't see it either. Yeah. So that's so also important. He both picked up on different aspects of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The way that, um, the way that things are conveyed in these flashes, like, they're very, very semantically dense, and you're supposed to infer a lot from, like, little shots and the way that things mm -hmm. are transitioned, and I don't always catch them, so it, it really helps to read them with a second person. I think you catch way more than I do. That's because I've read it a bunch of times. True. And looked up excla explanations. Yeah. So. Um, well, we should also mention that um, WV was also on Skya as this was happening. So like oh his past self yes yeah so there's a, a there's a corresponding spire on Skya that he sees glowing uh, and probably he doesn't really understand at that point what's going on right so it's not surprising that his future self doesn't make the connection right I see I missed that frame as well so <laughs> yeah there's a lot to there's a lot to pick up it's only like a minute long yeah like there's a lot to pick up. So, um, and then we cut to Dave on his own quest bed and Dave stands ominously over him. Mm hmm. Dave stands <laughs> ominously over himself. Yeah. In a different outfit. Uh, with, uh, his sword drawn. Mm hmm. And then he has a talk with Terezi. It's such a long talk and it's so long for like no reason. Even and for character really development, it's really long. And it's hard, just hard to read this much of Terezi. Like, my eyes just kind of glaze over at some point. Yeah. Like, just to get, like, the shapes of the words. Yeah. Because um, her typing quirk is all caps with A's, E's, and I's repeated, replaced with fours, threes, and ones, and it's like... It, it reads to me, it's like trying to listen to someone talking through a mouthful of marshmallows. Mm -hmm. That hurts. But so okay, so we're just gonna summarize because like they like banter for like literally like eight pages, and the whole thing is just Dave. This is the the Dave with the sword is sort of a little bit from the future, or he's done more time traveling or whatever. And he saw John go God tier, and he was pestering Terezi, saying, "I wanna, I want those powers too. How do I do that? How does God tier work?" And she said, "All right, I'll tell you." Do you want to find out now or later? And he was like, I don't know. What do you mean? And she says, okay, well, I'll flip a coin. You decide what the heads and the tails mean. Um, well, 
two heads because she has a two-headed coin. Right. She says good head and bad head. Because the, the bad head has a little slash on it. But um, so she says, okay, so you decide which which one means now and which one means later. And if you want to find out now, what I need you to do is go and lie down on your quest bed. And if you want to find out later, um, go and do all of this other stuff. And I'll flip the coin and I'll tell you what it is. You don't have to tell me which side means what. I'm just going to flip the coin. And she flips the coin and she tells him that it's bad heads. And so he goes off and he does some other stuff. And now he finds himself back here and she goes, he's confused because he's like, I didn't lie down on the bed. And, and uh, so she's like, well, but in an offshoot timeline, you did. Um, and since you're the alpha Dave and not the guy who decided to sleep here, he's doomed. He's from an offshoot timeline. He will die anyway. Paradox space will kill him. So do him a favor and kill him quickly. And uh, he's like, I don't understand what would be the point, because then wouldn't he go god tier and like still be doomed anyway? Like That's a huge waste, too. And he goes, she's like, all right, you got me. It was just a ruse. I just wanted to make sure that you understood the gravity of what it was that you were asking me about, because it's one thing to tell you and another thing to have to face it. Um, and, like... All she was really trying to tell him is that, like, luck doesn't matter, right? Like, coin flips and luck and whatever, and yeah, it was really the, kind of pointless. It was supposed to be really cool, but I honestly found it kind of pointless. The the sting is that she didn't even look at the coin. Right. And she's like, what, are you going to ask a blind girl to look at a coin? Like, ha 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 ha. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but basically it's kind of just to cut directly from her saying, luck doesn't matter... Uh, to Vriska. Vriska, who is, you know, who loves to say that she has all the luck, who has just been pummeled to within an inch of her life by Aradia and is now lying covered in blood, totally surrounded by blood uh, on this island, and Tavros is sort of kneeling over her. Yeah, um, which is a really uh, striking image. Until Tavros starts leaning in to kiss her. Um, and he has an exile voice in his head telling him to kiss her. This is it, right? Um, Here's your chance. He yeah. says. Now, yeah, to be fair, he's not kissing her to be creepy. I think he thinks that she's dead and he's going to, like, revive her. Because you kiss a dead person to bring, like, bring back their, their dream self comes and takes their place. Oh, uh, I forgot about that completely. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, it, this would be, like, horrendously like, Yeah, I gross. thought it was just totally gross. Yeah. No. All right. Instead, it's it's this exile, like, turning it into a gross thing instead of just a, like, save this girl's life thing. Yeah. So. Um, but then his arm starts moving of its own volition and dips a finger in Vriska's blood and spells out... I ain't and dead just yet. Uh, and it's Vriska controlling his arm mm-hmm. to communicate with him while he's holding her nearly dead body. Mm-hmm. She says, oh, now you want to kiss me? A little late, don't you think? Save your breath, Paige. I ain't dead just yet. And uh, gives him instructions. She says uh, she has him right in her blood. You know, uh, I need you to fly me to my quest bed. Are you ready to fly, pupa? With eight Ys. And can you imagine how painstaking it must have been for him to have to, like, write all of those Ys out, like, knowing what would come next and knowing that she was dying and he had to, like, fly her somewhere and he was being roped into all of this, like... And that's just the start. Oh, yes. Um, so she has him set her up on her deathbed, which is in this, like, beehive kind of structure on top of this spire island. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, and it's, it's really beautiful. It's it's a it's, beehive on the outside with a hollow top. Mm-hmm. And then on the, on the floor inside of it, there's this quest bed with a sun symbol and this, like, beam of sunlight shooting down, like, beatifically. It's, honest, it's honestly, like, I maybe the most gorgeous art I've seen so far. Like, this is... And, like, the way that, um... Like, it's this kind of, um, dull orange stone, all this. And it's all mixing with her dark blue blood. 
um, which are like complementary colors, and so it really like is very visually striking. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's uh, writing, getting him to write more and more stuff. Um, he's she's basically saying, "I'm not going to force you to kill me. I want you to do that yourself." Uh, and he's standing over her uh, at this point, quite covered in blood, uh, holding his lance and with a very pained expression. Yeah, and she's like, don't make me bleed. She makes him write, don't make me bleed to death slowly. Like, please make it quick. And then we see uh, Dream Briska, who it seems is the one who's communicating with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only is she, uh, in his mind, uh, there is a royal exile with the flowy text talking to her, uh, basically saying, like, just make him do it quick. Mm-hmm. Like, don't draw this out. Uh, and then she starts arguing with this voice in her head through Tavros's arm. Yeah. Uh, and so Tavros has to write out all these arguments from two different people in his, not friend, in, his, in this person's blood who's dying, uh, and it gets crossed out, and there's handprints, and he's covered in it, and at some point, uh, his own blood starts getting mixed in, which is brown, uh, and it's just, like, unbelievably gruesome. Like, this is, I was at a loss for words here. Yeah, this is definitely, like, one of the scenes from Homestuck that I remember most strongly, because it's so, it's, like, it's gruesome, and I don't know. But it's not, like, for shock value, it's, like... It's poignant. Yeah. Right, because it's not, nobody's, like, horrifically, like, there's no, like, missing legs or whatever, it's just, she's just lying there, but there's just all this blood, and... And it's... Also, this totally alien, like, blue and brown blood uh, on this, like, bizarre, like, raised pedestal inside a beehive with this, like, orange sun above it. Uh, And, oh my god, it's just like... And also, he's, like, crawling around, like, writing on the walls and the floor. Right, recall that he is paralyzed and he's gotten out of his hover car, so he can't use his legs. He's, He's dragging himself around. Yeah, he had to drag her across the room onto this bed. Yeah. Um, God. And so, um, I don't know, another image that I find really arresting about this is we periodically cut to, like, the way that we know that her dream self is controlling him and that this uh, exile is talking to her is we see her on um, Prospit and Terezi is watching as she becomes, like, hunched over and, like, like completely livid with rage and this blood like is soaking her pajamas like she's covered in her own blood in the dream too and like gritting her teeth and like grabbing her head and trying to trying to like handle all of this and then you know she has Tavros write kill me on her forehead and then kill me on his own forehead um Mm -hmm. I don't know and then Diamond's Droog so before it was uh, Hart's boxcars talking to Tavros saying, you know, you need to kiss the girl. And now it's Diamond's Droog saying, take her out. Like, don't drag this out, kid. And he can't do yeah. it. He says, what are you, a wimp? And he can't do it. He's like grabbing his head and sobbing. And the next thing we see is Tavros flying away in his hover car. With his, like... His face is just, like, racked with grief and fear. Yeah. Uh, and the hive blows up, somehow. Not really sure how that happens. Yeah. Um, we'll hear more about but, that later. Okay. Um, but, uh, Riska goes got here. Mm-hmm. And it's really jarring. Like, the last time we saw her was, you know, covered in blood and, like, surrounded by blood and with killed me on her forehead and and the next thing we see is just her 
you know, grinning her shit-eating grin in these uh, god-tier pajamas. They're orange, and she has blue butterfly wings, and there's a sun symbol, and she has a little hood, and she's just grinning and flying. Mm-hmm. With her two eyes. Oh, yes, she does have both eyes and both arms. Yes. Like, both flesh arms. <laughs> so, and then uh, then the, uh, the console for viewing Vriska uh, flips off, and we see the exile that's been watching all this and talking to Vriska the whole time. And it is indeed the royal exile. It is Snowflake. Fuck you. <laughs> you pleased with yourself? Um, yeah, it's Snowman. <laughs> it's Remember her? Yeah. The name really doesn't and... fit. It really just makes me think of corncob pipes way too much. <laughs> I guess it kind of fits because it's so, like, it's, like, just um, discordant enough that it's, like, woo, like, spooky. It, yeah, I don't know. It's very, like, it's, it's feasible as, like, a mobster yeah. nickname. Hey, have you heard Snowman's in town? Oh, God, he's gonna get us all. Yeah. I heard that Snowman's no he at all. He's a it's a it's a it's a dame. It's a lady. Yeah. Uh, and you know why they call it Snowman? It's because Snowman can keep her down. Ah! I just woke my cat up. <laughs> <laughs> I woke him up and he ran under my couch. Oh my gosh! Uh, your goof alarmed a cat like a thousand miles away. Are you proud of yourself? I'm very powerful. <laughs> so yeah, so it's... Did we mention that it's Snowman? Yeah, and she uh, kind of teleports away, or like phases out of the room, mm -hmm. and we see like in her body either reflected or like her body contains these galaxies, and there's this huge like flash of Becquerel green on the side that we can't see what the source of is. Mm -hmm. And that's the end of the reading. Woo! Holy moly. <laughs> a lot of things happening this week. A lot of things? A lot of things. A lot of, um, death. A lot of death. Um, and a lot of blood. Yeah, we should maybe do a content warning, maybe? Um, I mean... Nah. I think... Homestuck is its own content warning. Yeah, blood is kind of part of part and parcel. Yeah, that's true. There sure is a lot of blood this week. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Yeah! <laughs> we don't have any questions this week, um, but that is because next week we are going to have a lot of questions, hopefully, if you ask us some. Um, we want to do kind of a Twelfth Paradise Eve special. Uh, where we're not going to do a reading next week, but we're going to take a bunch of questions and kind of discuss uh, the past year and how uh, Homestuck's treating us so far. And I'm going to try to uh, recap very, de very condensedly again, which I think will be much harder this time. Mm -hmm. um, because there's kind of four more layers of metaphysical junk on top of what was pretty self-explanatory last time. Did you just invent um, the number four there, or do you... Yeah. I Yeah, that was off the top of my head. Okay. There's at least two, I think. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, last time I did a recap, I was alluding to the fact that there might be a second universe with a second session. Right. Whew. Boy. The paradigm has shifted. Paradigm space. Um... But yeah, thanks for listening, and thanks again for uh, bearing with us while we were in cat hell. That's basically what it was, right? Yeah. Yeah. Alright, you guys are awesome, and uh, we'll send out messages and stuff to, uh, you know, beg you for questions. Questions about, you know, anything you ask us about making the podcast, or Homestuck, or, I don't know, kind of whatever. Don't, 
Don't. Lydia's cats. Um, you can ask about my cats. Don't, like, be weird. You know what we mean. Like, don't ask us, like, personal advice a, questions. This is not that podcast. That's a great point. Um, like, if you want to speak to us as human beings, please do so in our inboxes. Um, if you want to discuss the podcast or the content we discuss on the podcast, even if that doesn't have to do with Homestuck, like cats, for example, yeah. um, or just like ask us like, hey, what's your favorite spaghetti? I love to talk about spaghetti. Me too. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry for all the bad mobster voices I just suddenly did at the end of this, um, by the way. <laughs> uh, it's okay. Um, it's okay. She's... Italian-American. I can make these jokes. They were really bad. That was maybe too far. Um, They were were really (laughs) bad mobster voices, okay? I'm offended. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, Thanks. Bye. Bye! Oh, wait, wait, no. Wait. Where can you find us? Oh, um, I'm on Twitter as BrickChip. I'm dead on Tumblr. Don't, don't message me. I don't. I have a blog, but like, don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, find me on Twitter. I'm Brickchip. I'm Crunchleaf on Twitter, and I'm on Tumblr at LeafCrunch. And you can ask us questions at hamsteak.tumblr.com. Ham, no, uh, hamsteakpodcast.tumblr.com. You're, you're right. Or on Twitter, uh, where we are at hamsteakpodcast. Yeah, you could even email hamsteakpodcast at gmail.com. When was the last you, time you cracked you open want. that inbox? Ugh, it's rancid in there. Mm, Alright, well... <laughs> left the... <laughs> I left some beans in the bottom. Oh, no. And, yeah, it's just... Oh, man, it's not good. Alright, well, we're gonna have to get to, to bean scraping, then, because we will be checking that, and we'll be checking everything to hear from yeah, put you. Yeah, put your emails in a plastic bag. Yeah, just so that, you, you know, the, the smell... You can, things can kind of, like, absorb the smell from other things, mm-hmm. so... Um, but yeah, until next time, uh, next week, crossing my fingers, yeah. um, we will, uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. I say it for the fifth time, but I mean it every time. <laughs> thanks guys. Bye. Bye.